0: Welcome to What's Next, Cornette Global's podcast channel that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. This is part one of a two-part series. Will the corporation of the future need the workplace of today? Featured on this segment are Kay Sargent, Senior Vice President of HOK, and Peter Andrew, Director of Workplace Strategy for CBRE.
1: Hello and welcome to What's Next? Bringing you the future of corporate real estate on behalf of Cornet Global. My name is Kay Sargent and I'm Director of Workplace for HOK. And today our guest is Peter Andrews, Director of Workplace Strategy Center of Excellence for CBRE, leading the Workplace Center of Excellence function for CBRE across Asia Pacific. Peter has a vision to transform work and workplace in Asia, helping to create beautiful places for people to work meaningfully and productively. Peter has qualifications in design, facilities planning, management, workplace strategy, and corporate real estate, and has been practicing for 25 years. Peter is an industry thought leader and recently published Fast Forward 2030, the future of work and workplace. So welcome, and thank you for joining us tonight, Peter.
0: Uh, Good evening to everyone. Hello.
1: So, uh, actually, it's evening here in the U.S., and it's morning there in Asia, so we're doing a little bit of the the, the time zone uh, translation here. So, uh, good morning to you, actually,
0: Peter. Thank so you. So, how,
1: how did you get interested in uh, this line of work that you're in? How did you start?
0: Um, I'm an architect by background, and that actually goes way back to my roots when I was four years old and I wanted to be a builder, so always interested in buildings, but... As I studied architecture, I started to realize that my passion around architecture was people and and the way we use buildings and and the ability to create wonderful places for people. And so as I moved through my early career in architecture, I got more involved in parts of buildings and and processes that related to people, and in particular, the upfront briefing, the the creation of the ideas of what is it we want even before you start the design process. That led in turn to a master's where I focused on uh, workplace strategy, and I joined world's leading firm DGW in the early two thousands and that really has just taken me on this journey about really understanding uh, how to create great workplaces and I guess as I've had more time in the industry, I've become really interested in the systemic processes that lead to great outcomes so it's not just a good brief and it's not just great design but it's the whole alignment of the mindset of an organization around an aspired future and and how you deliver that not just through space but through technology and people and behaviour as well and At the end of it all, when you walk into a great new workplace and and, and you see people that are happy and working differently and and working in really positive ways, um, that's when you feel that great sense of uh, achievement in what you've done in your career and, and, and for a client.
1: Yeah, that's a great feeling. I love that. So you have a very diverse background, but as you've gotten older, you've kind of focused in on what your core passion is and where you feel like you can make the most impact, and that's workplace. So tell us a little bit about what the state of the corporate market is in Asia.
0: Well, just looking more broadly than workplace for a second, uh, CBRE is seeing robust demand across the Asia region, in particular China and India. They continue to be expanding markets, expansion driven in particular by the domestic and, and Asian uh, corporations more so than the globals. In mature markets, decisions are still, uh, as everywhere in the world, primarily driven by cost and multinational locations are looking for cheaper uh, cheaper cost locations in various different cities across the region. In China the growth has actually been driven particularly by domestic companies uh, and they buck that trend a little bit, they they head towards CBD prime locations still. But the Indian market has much, it's very complicated of course, much more mixed drivers and infrastructure is a really key issue there. So getting really high quality infrastructure is really critical to the Indian market. If I kind of zoom in a little bit on, on workplace and our topic of today, uh, I, I think we're in the middle of a boom here in Asia. I think Asia had come to a point where you can no longer drive the high density solution uh, any further, uh, yet there's still pressure from organizations to drive costs down. And if you want to drive costs down any further, you have to start offering something more than just take away, take away, take away, which is what real estate has done for years uh, to, to people's workplaces and actually look at the give back equation. So. How can they continue to save money but do it in a way that enhances the work and performance and experience of people? Uh, And so we're seeing concepts that that you might say are Western concepts uh, or, or foreign concepts that wouldn't work in Asia actually working fantastically across Asian markets. And we're seeing appetite across all sorts of industries and all sorts of sectors for those new kinds of workplaces.
1: So what is actually the appetite then for that alternative workplace in Asia right now? And is there anything that's holding it back for companies that haven't embraced that?
0: I think we're seeing a, a journey that I guess started once upon a time with the consulting companies. were one of the first to, to explore different kinds of workplaces. But the big push at the moment comes from the technology companies, particularly the traditional technology companies, the Cisco's and the, um, Microsoft are pushing towards the high-sharing, high-mobility environments. The new tech uh, wave, the Facebooks and, and the Googles, and I guess they're not really new tech, tech so the generation after them as well is, is more focused on uh, highly collaborative work environment. Uh, banks uh, are, are moving uh, very much down the uh, shared workplace environment, and whilst they all started in like, well, the hot-desking realm, they're all rapidly moving to the activity-based working environment. Uh, Uh, approach, but also agile programming approach, which is the application of the agile computer programming processes to work highly team-based, words like Scrum and Sprint are describing the way that they work, and that doesn't necessarily align with those other different workplace models. So I guess we're seeing a whole different diversity of different models, um, cost being um, critical, I guess, for the banks and a lot of traditional uh, markets and sectors. Uh, and performance being the focus of um, the the emerging new tech companies and shared economy companies, the Ubers and the Airbnbs and so forth. So maybe just to create a definition to help us in our conversation, let's talk about what I see as those three key kinds of workplaces. The first is highly collaborative. So that's where we have allocated desks, but a much higher proportion of the work environment is dedicated to spaces that we share. Uh, Most of those are probably collaborative, uh, open cafes, ad hoc meeting areas and formal meeting places. Brainstorm areas, but some of it may be also for quiet and focused work. The principle there is that you move between your own allocated place and you move to those other places to work. Activity based workplaces are also highly mobile, but the difference between that and the collaborative work environment is that we don't have that owned place of work. So rather than having to move away from your individual desk to get diversity, the diversity occurs in amongst the areas where you have desks in the office because. When you when you no longer have um, uh, people allocated to desks, why do you need to make every desk the same? So you can create areas of quiet desks, you can create areas of collaborative desks, areas of desks where your teams sit. You can have timber-coloured desks, white-coloured desks, black-coloured desks if you like. You can mix it up with diversity, and people go and find the best uh, place for them to get their work done. And that can be about. Uh, being able to focus when they need to focus. It can be about being able to collaborate when they need to collaborate. But it can also be about the fact that I I find a place that makes me feel comfortable as an introvert. I find a place that makes me feel comfortable as an extrovert. Uh, It's really about this idea of diversity and choice. And because we create diversity in amongst the desk that we allocate, there's less need to create all the other support areas in addition to work areas. And then the third one is this agile programming process. Uh, where we see particularly a lot in India with all the IT uh, centers over there, but also in China. uh, And they're they're specifically designed around these agile computer programming spaces. And so you're you're trying to design a space where people work in pairs. So the fundamental of agile programming is what they call paired programming to a point that sometimes even one person is working on a computer while another person is watching that person working on that computer to check that their coding is okay, to check that they are from a mindset uh, perspective heading in the right direction. That's faster, would you believe it, than than two people working separately.
1: Yeah. And then those two.
0: Those those pairs of people then sort of roll up into teams of eight or 12, and and, and they work in these intensely team-based areas. So lots of different variations on that particular model, and I think we're going to see some real innovation in that area. And and my colleagues globally are telling me that in countries like the Netherlands, we're seeing that kind of methodology of, of how to run an organization starting to outside of just the IT processes and being applied across all areas of operations.
1: Yeah, so Peter, you and I have chatted about this a little bit, and I think it's interesting. And and thank you for sharing that terminology, because I think there's um, a lot of misunderstanding about some of the terms sometimes, and people can confuse them. So I appreciate you clarifying that. I think it's also interesting, because what we might call it in one region might be slightly different. And, you know, in the U.S., what we're starting to see a little bit in that tech world is we used to have maker spaces that were almost like a room that was dedicated to that, but now we're starting to see that kind of come out of the rooms and really create these maker environments that are much more like that agile program space that you're defining where they're more uh, scrum-type spaces, work labs, people connecting, and it's really about speed to innovation and speed to creation in kind of a very raw type setting. So um, thank you for sharing
0: that. There's also a a whole realm of environments that actually involve physical material. So the area that we've seen the digitalization of workspace and and, and the mobility of workplace go first and and farthest is the IT kind of work processes where people are uh, obviously just working on a screen, and that's highly transportable. Now we're dealing with clothing companies that have uh, sneakers and and they have uh, action wear and they have... uh, uh, engineering companies that have physical products and, mm-hmm. and they're trying to introduce new and, and, and more dynamic ways of working with that. So for instance we work with Philips in Singapore on a fantastic campus and only half of the work environment is actually what looks like a traditional work environment with uh, desks and, and meeting rooms and so forth. And so little clusters of 18 and 20 desks sit amongst uh, design studios and testing labs and mock hospitals and mock lighting spaces. And so it's this sort of Product creation, R&D mixed up with office altogether. Uh, we're working with some oil and gas companies at the moment to see how alternative working applies to industrial sites. So, I think we're seeing a really interesting sort of push of some of the ideas of workplace into areas that traditionally you'd say there is no way we could move away from a traditional uh, model.
1: Yeah, it's almost like the garageification of workplace, right? It's like bringing that kind of scrummy type raw environment into it to get people kind of back to that. So, Peter, I want to ask you, um, you know, you're famous for your research. You always come out with something uh, new and wonderful to share with us at the Cornet Summit. What is your latest study? What are you finding in your Fast Forward 2030?
0: Well, that's interesting. Fast Forward is now three years old, and that almost makes it out of date. But, it had some really key themes that we're still seeing uh, resonating uh, through the industry. One was the shared economy. So we postulated what might happen uh, in the world of Airbnb and Uber uh, in the world of real estate. And I think that's coming to a point of, and and we're seeing this through the dynamic and discussion around co-working right now, which actually underlying all of that is the idea of what happens if if you deliver workplace as a service? What does that look like? So that's very key. One of the other big themes in that paper was artificial intelligence and how that is going to change the way that people are working. And that's probably my area of highest passion at the moment in terms of research, understanding how jobs will change, understanding how the actual work processes that we follow will change. McKinsey have done a, a really interesting study breaking down every job, every major job out there in the world, in the white color world, into its component parts and looking at which parts can be automated through AI. And it goes all the way out to C-suite. There is already AI sitting in the C-suite to assist senior executives in companies take an alternative view that's not built in with any human bias about what sort of decisions companies should make. So those are sort of big themes that are happening. From a specific research perspective, the next paper that we're publishing will be uh, why most workplace programs are failing. And for all the discussion we've just had and for all the impetus we're seeing from clients around the region, I see probably 90% of the attempts to build these new workplaces fail in some way or other and only 10% of them really truly be successful. And I guess if we look at what success means, success means uh, the ability for the environment to to create the cultural transformation, to embed the new behaviors uh, that that are tied in with the workplace program. So we still see new workplaces being used in old ways. And people often ask me, why is it that it's failing Well, what can we do to change that? And we've done a lot of work at a systemic level with some major clients in, in this region. And probably my – I've been saying this I guess for at least five years now – is the biggest problem we have is lack of people. There is a complete lack of talent in this region that has skills and qualification in the area of workplace. Uh, and that, that affects the consultants who are advising the corporations. It affects the people in the organizations that are buying services, that are trying to implement services. It affects the project managers that are trying to integrate it into their processes. And so until we can get a consistent and strong understanding of what this workplace is, then we will fail. And I, I guess in parallel with that, we also have the, the idea of the with a lack of understanding of what it actually is. We tend to err towards the cost-saving side, and we don't pay enough attention to the uh, enhancement of personal productivity and the enhancement of uh, personal experience, user experience. And what we've yeah. found working is it's actually the tension between those two has to be resolved in order to have a successful project. You talked a
1: little bit about artificial intelligence, and when we chat with people in the C-suite and the CFOs and we ask them kind of what is keeping them up at night and what is what is your biggest concern, artificial intelligence is one of the things that is hitting way up there on the top of the list. And I think a lot of people are very, very nervous about what that will bring, and I think we tend to take a very optimistic view is that uh, we believe that artificial intelligence will most likely alleviate some of the mundane things that we're doing and really kind of free us up so that we can shift our focus to some of the bigger issues and, you know, the things that really people are good at, the intuition, the application of knowledge, what does that mean, how do we apply it, et cetera.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Cornet Global's What's Next podcast. This concludes the first part of the two-part series Will the Corporation of the Future Need the Workplace of Today?